Uh, some general questions. What constitutes a road trip? Oh, man. Getting from one place to another where the journey is just as important as the destination. Nice. That's a ramble. <laughs> okay. What makes a road trip? A destination. What makes a road trip? <laughs> a reason. <laughs> I don't know. A reason death trip? The, like, the enjoyment of the journey, man. I feel so, like the Big Lebowski right now. The enjoyment of the journey, man. Man. I ask you because you bounced around a lot. Uh-huh. And you put some miles in on the road. I did, a lot. Yeah. I drove back and forth to Iowa a couple times a year, every year for five years. And then my first year back, I went back and forth to Iowa a couple more times just for fun. Atlanta to Iowa? 15 hours. That is hard. That's a straight or are you doing overnight? Straight. Wow. I overnighted once. So we're about to go in and see this group show that you're in. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, there are some heavy hitters in this show, by the way. Yeah. Including John Cage. My buddy. Yoko Ono. Yep. Uh, uh, Nick, Nick Cave. Nick Cave. That's right. Nick Cave's in there. There's yeah. a sound suit in there. It's pretty nice to look at. Oh, really? You can get really close. So how would you prepare us or introduce us to what we're about to see and, and, and what in your role? With my, with my installation? Yeah. Um, my installation is a... It, it's a constructed memory. It's a reconstructed memory. Thinking about and hopefully critiquing a little bit the idea of nostalgia. That's like a, that's, that's the nickel line. Well, so much for your cold read, Joe. You know, nostalgia isn't what it used to be. This is Brain Fuzz. The Art, Music, and Culture Podcast with Joe Camusa and Matthew White. Today, Joe and Matthew take a short road trip with artist Dana Haugard. They spend time with an installation of his, stop by a brewery and end the day at a table Dana made. Along the way, they discuss the influence of artist Bruce Nauman, studio habits and location, snow ploughing in Iowa, maker spaces and art versus craft. A guy named Bobby drops in, sparking an exchange on mustard greens and goat cheese. We join them round a picnic table at the brewery. So you're going to the scripted format. No. Yeah. I'm just looking at my notes here. Did you, uh... By the way, that was a fantastic show. Thank you. I yes. So I'm, I'm curious. I, I, made, I made that thing, and then I installed it. Um, are these and then have not really had any cover. This is going to be the first real conversation about sort of art. Is it really? Yeah. So no one's really talked to me about it. What is the name of the piece? All time is past time, which is a crib from a poem by um, Joel McSweeney, who is a, a poet who taught at the Iowa Writers Workshop when I was there. So I read a little bit of her work, and then my friend Meredith. Um, helps me with titles sometimes because she knows words and uh, she'd read a lot of her work and it's from a, a, an essay prose poem she wrote called Bug Time about you know it's just kind of it intersects with that piece in several different ways about time and memory and lifespans and then you know but so I cribbed it from that so I gotta give credit where credit's due Joel McSweeney so you mentioned Iowa and we were talking earlier about road trips and um the miles that you put in just briefly how did you get to where you are right now physically physically um so my life exists in tight circles apparently 
So I was born in Iowa City with my parent. My dad was in grad school, and we moved to Atlanta for him to go to a different grad school, which is how I ended up in Atlanta. I grew up in Decatur. And then when it was time to go to the grad schools, I was just kind of poking around, looking at different places. And I mentioned to my dad I was going to apply to Iowa, and he was like, oh, yeah, that's where you were born. I was like, oh, yeah, that's funny. And then I'm going there. Um, I lived there for five years. When that, I was ready to leave Iowa City, I was going to Chicago. But I had applied for an artisan residence back in Atlanta. And I literally had my moving truck, um, and we were loading it up, and I got a phone call from... Uh, the, one of the art teachers at Emory said, hey, your residency went through. You got your money. I'll see you September 1st. So I had called my friend in Chicago and said I, weren't, I wasn't coming anymore. Uh, I'll be there in six months after the residency's over. And that was five years ago. You told me one time that you had spending time in Atlanta and then leaving and then coming back. There's kind of a disconnect in in the community or the oh, totally. continuity. Yeah, Atlanta was a, it's a, it was a, it was a very different place when I was kind of post-college formative years, young adult. Uh, it was pre-recession and then early recession when I was engaging in the art community. And then I left. You know, my studio was at the Mattress Factory and iDrum was kind of the only place we hung out. And then our bartender... So for those outside of Atlanta that are listening to this, the um, mattress, our Mattress Factory. Talk a little bit about Our that. Mattress Factory is very, very different yeah. than <laughs> the Mattress Factory. Our Mattress Factory was a uh, nearly condemned building that was a mattress factory um, and had been turned into half very bougie um, lofts and the other half nearly condemned studio building and I was in the nearly condemned studio building um, and this was 2008 like early recession and because nothing was really going right I'd my, my been furloughed twice by my job and uh, like our bartender from the bar across the street was murdered in the bar and that kind of like you know he was not like we weren't friends but I saw him every day because we were all drinking a lot at the time and he was was it a robbery what was it was it? a robbery so it was the bar called The Standard oh yeah, yeah. Um, John and you know that was this weird tipping point I was like I don't want to be around this anymore I don't want to be in Atlanta anymore I spent my whole life here so I left and I, had, I was going to go anywhere I ended up in Iowa which turned out to be a, an amazing wonderful place like I loved it it did really well for me it's on my list I keep hearing great things about and I was weirdly beautiful and you know because you don't expect it right and you get there and That's especially the on the eastern side it's still part of that like driftless region that was kind of scraped and missed by the ice glaciers, glaciers. Um, and so it's still kind of hilly we're on a river so it's not a flat cornfield um, and it was a really good college town huh. with a lot of good culture that was going through a lot of smart people um, and it was small. I grew up in Atlanta in Decatur, and this was like a town of 50,000 people. Yeah. You could ride your bike across it. And yeah. Do you still go back? I have not been back in a, about a year and a half, but I still have a lot of good friends there. Joe, you been there? I have not. I'd like to. It's another one of those. Sounds like a brain fuzz excursion. I'll drive with you. Yeah, 15 hours, you said? Yeah, man, I'll drive. Yes. See, I'm funny. I'm only I'm only good for about four hours, and then I, I have to stop at every uh, outlet, like you know. <laughs> so that well, one of the best cheeseburgers in the whole world is in Iowa City. So we'll get you there. Really? Yeah, George's George's grass buffet. Fed, grass fed or Angus? Uh, Iowa beef. I don't. I didn't. I didn't ask too many questions. All right. But the beef is never frozen. It's made at a tiny little bar called George's That's on a little broiler. And man, they're they look like a McDonald's cheeseburger. 
but they are amazing. It was, it, uh, they're like they are they they are my sustaining light, like mana. They just kept me fueled. All the same. Oh my god, they're so good. You have like a one burger night, a two burger night, the three burger nights never never really ended that well. A three burger night. They're tiny. But usually you were pretty intoxicated at that point. Oh, wow. And you regretted the morning. What's the, like, temperatures? What are we talking about? I mean, it got real cold. You know, we get the Midwestern, like, blizzards and snow. And the coldest winter we had was really the winter I had to walk to work three miles. No, oh, come on. You're making this up. No, no, no kidding. Okay. Uh, I had to walk to work, and it was about 10 to 15 below. Uh, but parking, and I, it was a college town with not a lot of parking. So it was just easier to walk. Do you have to pay for parking? Oh, yeah. It's okay. crazy now. See, Joe, it wouldn't work for Joe. If you have to pay for parking, Joe's out. Um, but weirdly, I got a job driving a snowplow for the city. I don't know how they let some southern... I lied on my applications that I'd done it um, because I needed a job. But I drove a snowplow for three or two years. You must have made a lot of friends. I mean... Did you do a lot of off, like, no, hey, man... It was, it was for the city, and it was a city's truck. So it was just like I made no friends because I was in its... Snowplow plow on city parking lots. Oh, I thought you were doing like streets. No, it was kind of it was amazing because you wake up at three in the morning, and a lot of us didn't go to bed until one, and we'd like get it. We pile into our one buddy's truck that had four wheel drive, and we'd bound across the snow drifts to work, get in the snowplows, and start plowing in the middle of the night, like three a.m. dark. <laughs> and sounds like a Bob Seger song. <laughs> yeah, that's it's a weird life, but it was a I, it was quiet. You listen to music. And then when the sun came up and it was still snowing, the entire world turned like periwinkle. That's beautiful. Yeah. And that is one of the most, like, living in those moments, I was always kind of angry when the sun came all the way up and the rest of the world kind of emerged because this was my life. Like, I was, this was my place. Everything was this beautiful color. It was quiet. It was just me. There's just one guy in the truck. And then, like, people started showing up and I got all bitter. and like, oh. You start drinking. Well, the funny thing, because the day started so early, we'd like get to the bar at three yeah. o'clock and eat tater tots and be in bed by five. Wow. Well, if you're getting up at 2.30 for, yeah. It's a funny, funny, weird part of my life, but I loved it. I kind of hated it sometimes when I was doing it, but I loved it as a whole. Well, we were talking. Be sure to view works as well as many links to references discussed on BrainFuzz in the show notes at brainfuzzpodcast.com. Meanwhile, the three move on to the next venue at Dana's home, picking up their discussion on studio life and location. Where can you... I mean, that's the most important thing. Where can you work? I think we all think we need to be somewhere else. Well, that's where it's going to happen. But like, the most important thing is still... Well, I had been in Iowa City, and I love living there so much it was a beautiful place and a good place full of very smart good people but after you leave the school yeah you then you're on your you're on your own and then my studio was in our bathroom which was a giant bathroom but a very tiny studio and about what dimensions uh, 10 by 10 which is a big yeah, bathroom yeah, yeah right and I built a, a small studio but, but I built a workbench <laughs> in there and I built a little piece of wood to go over the washer dryer under the like the rules that like everybody needed to use it I had to beat feet and get out and and uh it was just time to time to go and uh but I think that's important though because like you know that was the same thing like living in Athens was just otherworldly and it was amazing and I knew it was going to be short term and a lot of the old guard uh you know artists and and everyone was kind of like this is great but it was pretty much 
spoken, like, but you, you, you can't stay here. But well, like, those I towns it. aren't engineered for you to stay. They're engineered for you to come for a minute, do something, yeah, and then leave. Because there's not a lot of jobs. There's not a lot of resources outside of what people are already taking up. Like, there's X amount of air. And it takes a lot to mark out your territory. And so I, I knew I was, it was, I was either going to leave, I was sitting when I left, or I was going to stay there forever and not do what I wanted to do. I was just going to live an easy life. Like we called it the velvet noose. It's super comfortable. And then you die. And I didn't want this. I was ready to go. You know, with Atlanta for so long, the conversation has always been about everyone wanting to, you know, obviously go to New York and, and New York is great, but New York isn't sustainable. And this is, this is recently amazing. Like where else, you know, when you compare, yeah. Where do you want to be? Like, there's a lot of opportunities, a lot of smart people here making really impressive work. Like, I just am amazed that whenever artists get together, we're always thinking about we should be someplace else. And we're like, no, we're here. I, can, I don't think I could do what I wanted to do in New York. And just the last time uh, we went to New York was the first time I realized that it's not a place I wanted to live. Every time I've been in New York, I was like, I want to be here all the time. And then this last time I was like, this is amazing. I don't want to live here. Yeah. Because I'm thinking now like, I have a life in a foundation and it's like mm-hmm. I don't I couldn't have what I have here or there I couldn't spend the amount of time I spend in my studio there yeah like and, and like your studio just, or where are you parking your your truck, truck and delivering supplies <laughs> where, where, where am I getting a 14 foot long giant timber that I'm cutting and then mm-hmm. making literally trash bags full of sawdust to carve those chairs mm-hmm. so it's like being here is good for me because I have time and space. And also, uh, yeah, yeah, but I, I, mean, like, I kind of like it here. It's a good place. But like, it's a great place. So we've been on some excursions to like Louisville, Louisville, Lexington, Louisville. But I always think of like, you know, I, I always get like kind of a little tug at the heart, you know, with Bonnie, Prince, Billy. And you see these, <laughs> you see these community, yeah. but you know, and of course the grass is always greener, but you look at these like communities and, uh, and I'm like, but, but, if you step back for a second, you look around here, there's like, we've got like yeah. 10 different little, yeah, these little, you know, communities, microcosms, whatever the hell you want to call them. I mean, there's just a lot. Well, there's artists I don't even know here. Yeah. Like there's right. the cold art, art communities that I'm not part of, which is great. It's like, there is not, we're not, this is not a tiny place. It's, mm-hmm. There's a lot going on here. Right. But do you, do you feel like there's still kind of that pressure where people are always like, but what's next and where are you going? And you're like, but why? You know, I'm not going to kid myself and think that like, if I were to go to New York, everything would happen. Because probably not. If I stay here, I think my, my chances of success are better here, but still, you know, realistically. So it's, it's a weird thing to think about my career in that, in those terms. I'm just making stuff. The demographic trends suggest that um, things are decentralizing so that people, uh, millennials, and are, are moving to these smaller towns outside of major urban centers. So that being the case, there's not a lot of um, movement looking forward towards cities like New York, but the demand remains there, right? Mm-hmm. That's where the money is. And that's, and that's what attracts artists, you think, or that and dreams. But yeah, so sure. that, but the idea used to would have been, you know, you can go to New York, you can go to Brooklyn and get a studio, or you know, it'll be a rough space and it'll be dangerous. But which 
That doesn't happen in New York anymore. It happens mm. here. You can get a studio here that's dangerous, but... And fly to New York. Yeah, New York is... is it's cost prohibitive to exist. It seems, it seems... I don't know, man. I'm just scared of Atlanta, but... I don't know. It seems like I can't do that there. To get the studio that I would want doesn't exist. But so... And I... I uh, as much as I absolutely love New York City this is a good segue back to and we've been talking a lot about Bruce Norman and mm-hmm. the fact that life does exist across the Hudson and uh, and yet even Bruce Norman was yeah. in, in the Shell doll right up in the New Yorker like obviously his career suffered a little bit because they're like yeah hey, he's West Coast he's kind of minor he's and yet which is just you know ridiculous but the fact that that's still and you, just, you can't fight that you just have to ignore it and say the hell with it recently saw the uh, retrospective at uh, did you did you see it I, uh, I haven't okay yeah, so I, I don't know when it closed which by the way if you buy a ticket at MoMA it's just two stops down to PS1 I know those are two big stops though <laughs> and your ticket you can it's, apply it's it it's good for both yeah, yeah. So that I really it, like, I had my ideas, and then I went and saw it, and it, this was really, really well done. So, did he have I any of his like, corridors there? Yes. So the corridors that was always like that was your thing, Bruce Nauman. Yeah, I love Bruce Nauman. I like yeah. like most of his work. Really, it was a thing I like studied and looked at and listened and read a ton about. I love I love how he talks about his work. Yeah, kind of half aloof, half like yes, raz- half 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 aloof, half razor sharp. Yeah. Um. But the corridors were always the work that I really, really loved. That resonated with you more. Than well, because he, he, he's making people move through his space. Yeah. He's engineering these spaces to make people think about how they exist there, how they exist in his circumstance. Yeah. But they make he makes them engage in a way that it feels very voluntary, but it's very prescribed. You know? Like, yes. And when, when you get to the point, I mean, there's this quote that I'm sure I'm misquoting, but it's like, I wanted to hit you in the back of the head like a baseball bat. Yeah. Like it, it gets there and you're like, Oh God. And you know, I wrote a, a, a big paper in grad school about the um, corridor with the green light in the top. You guys know that one? Yeah. Um, like, you know, this long corridor with the green light where you, you have to, it, it's designed. So you have to shuffle through sideways. So you have to take it slow and the green light changes how your eyes perceive light. And then when you get to the side, because you've been in green light for so long, the entire world is pink. He's physically affecting your yeah. person yeah. through a thing that he's constructed. And that was something I was already thinking about. And then when I learned about that, I was like, oh my God, this is this this is a super smart way to achieve this. And like that that piece affects how I think about a lot of the work that I do. And yet the simplicity of it. Oh my God. It's right? like, it's to the point, it's simple. You don't think about engaging with it. You engage with it the way that you want to engage with it. It's like, I use this word a lot, like Temple Grandin art. Like Temple Grandin, she found the way to make cows walk to their death in peace because they want to go that way. And it's like, how do you make people engage with the work that you make in a way that they think is voluntary and natural, but is really the way that you intended them to walk through it? And that, like that's make my, my work is so sensorial and physical and experiential that if they, if, if people have to think too hard about what they're doing, it snaps you out of the experience of it rather than engaging in your body 
in that moment. It's so, not a trance-like state, but it is that moment. It, 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 it has to feel natural. Yeah. It, has to fe- it, do- it can't feel forced. If it feels forced, then you're thinking too much about the acting yeah. you're doing and not about what's happening to your body in the space. This is Bobby. You have Bobby. ruined everything, Dan. We're recording a podcast, Bobby. Oh, You want to sit down and ask some questions? <laughs> That's All right. Let's go. Oh, Bobby. Hey, Bobby. I'm Joe. Joe. Pleasure. Matthew. 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 Pleasure. Good to see you. Me too. My pet's Matthew. Some of your turnip, your mushroom greens. Oh, oh, so you're the one? Yeah. Yeah. That's. I'm telling I mean, you. That's, yeah, but do you do a salad out of mushroom? You, you, what you would do is do like romaine on the bottom and then put a little mustard green on top, right? I mean, like if it's you a raw, raw salad, yeah, you like mix yeah, it yeah. in. Yeah, you mix it in. I like it. I like the mix it in. But saute, you just do a straight mustard. Of course, mustard greens with a little bit of sauteed mustard greens, a little bit of goat cheese. It's oh, like a goat cheese would be amazing. Ooh, it's a really nice. Yeah, it's like, it's like a hot true. salad. There you go. Do it. Uh, yeah, goat cheese is funny. If it's too goaty, I like too goaty. Do you really? <laughs> you're, you're, you're okay. Too goaty. You're, you're I, like, I like I like a goaty cheese. I like I like I like tasting a little bit of farm in there. Do you? Yeah. So now, I'm going back to this idea of being kind of separated from the scene. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Does it produce new ideas? Does it? I mean, it's all circumstance, right? Mm-hmm. And you kind of create your own circumstance. So I think being out of the scene makes it. it, it I don't know. I, maybe I'm, I'm projecting for sure, but right. like being removed from that would make me super introspective. Like as as I already hope to try to be, a lot of my work is about processing my life, my experiences, my memories my ideas and try to repackage them in a way that I can have other people engage with them in a certain kind of way. That's interesting because when I think about your work, I don't think about it being deeply personal to you, but I think about it more as being deeply personal to the person experiencing it. Well, I think we're not special. Yeah. Right. And like, you know, I, I am not, I am, I am not special. Like mm-hmm. the, the things that make me, the things that I like, the things that make me, that turn mm-hmm. me on or get me excited or make my body feel a thing are not unique. You know, we are, we are people of a, of a product. I am of a generation. And so that the things that make me feel these ways are probably make you feel a way too. So I'm processing very individual, specific memories and ideas. Okay. But I'm not the only person that's had those ideas, those memories, yeah. those, 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 those social cues, those mental cues, those personal cues. They, they click for a lot of people, right? I'd like to think. I hope. I hope that I'm not alone. Well, I think about the piece that we saw earlier today. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and you know, just growing up and, you know, being out late and the mosquitoes are eating my, you know, up to my yeah. knees and, you know, with that decking. Mm-hmm. And then... The, the installation was too... Like, imagine the shittiest white plastic chairs... Yeah, um, like you buy from Home Depot. For like literally, I, I bought the model or Lowe's. You can buy it from Lowe's. Well, I bought it from Home Depot. Okay, because um, I'm an Atlanta. Um, but you can buy those chairs for a buck seventy five. Literally, I bought the really? model for a dollar seventy five. Really? Okay, and I bought two of them. But you see them all over the place. They're like this ubiquitous chair, and but that exists beyond Atlanta. That's it feels, true. It feels That's like true. A, it feels yeah. like a southern moment of sitting on a deck chair. Iowa, we do that. My folks are from Nebraska. I would sit in on a back porch with my uncles, you know, drinking the worst beer imaginable, which I grew to eventually love when I moved out there. But like those are moments. Which beer was that? Uh, Bushlight. 
Okay. Which okay. is barely water, but I, I grew an affinity for it. Mm-hmm. I live in Iowa because it's cheap and good. Yeah. Or not good, but it's cheap in there. It's cheap. So, like, you know, sitting on a deck with an uncle or a brother or a buddy anywhere, or your dad, you know, and those chairs are spaced specifically. Like, mm-hmm. they're too far away to touch each other, but they're close enough to be of, of a unit. Like, you're together, but yeah. separate. Yeah. And you're silently looking at a thing. But, you know, bugs, moths flying at a light bulb. And, like, that way of passing time, as I think, I can't imagine that's a new thing, right? That's, right. That, yeah. that's, that's yeah. been a way to pass time for a very long time. And kind of that simple idea and that memory of that idea is a thing that I'm interested in. And, and like, but it, again, it's, it's a memory. There's an ideal there that's not reality. And there's importance in that memory. There's, there's things to value in that memory. But And yet our front porches and our, our decks are uh, shrinking, right? No, I mean, I look around, I mean, front uh, front porches are not the size that they used to be. Well, I think, I think what I would shrinking is our attention span for that kind of stuff. Because, you know, that's, a, that, that's an intentionally, it's a 30-minute yeah. film of moths flying at a light bulb. But who's staring at a light bulb for 30 minutes anymore? I took it at a, at a very different level, which was a p- matter of pacing. And uh, we had this offline over an espresso. That exhibition had uh, a lot of information to take, take in. Mm-hmm. The, the collateral material was amazing. Right. But I was telling Dana that I literally found myself like, feeling like I was like in a classroom you know, kind of setting where you're like, all right, I've got to read all this. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was, without it being like a tear, but like the way that thing was organized, it was almost like you walk, the way you walk into the museum, there was like the front nine and the back nine. And I feel like yours gave me the first option to just sit. I mean, sound pieces, I've got, true. I've got yeah, earphones, true. I've yeah. got a lot of noise, yeah. I've got, and this is the first opportunity. And think about it. Who doesn't know that experience to like sitting on a porch or a backyard or whatever, yeah. but you just sit. Yeah. It's the in-between it's, moment. Yeah. But, but that sounds like I'm like limiting it or, and it's like, it's a very powerful. No, that experience is rare now. Right. But I think most people like, you know, you watch people blow through exhibitions and I, I'm not prescribing like you need to spend, you know, <laughs> 10 minutes looking to your food 25 times. And then I don't know, it was an honest moment where I thought, what a giving, there's a lot there, but you have to, but it's not this instant. Yeah. And I think, you know, and, and I know Dana very well. And some of your work is this, you know, is definitely instant gratification in terms of, you know, it's the obvious it's mirrored Mm -hmm. of the self in, uh, and they're 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 beautiful, and I think maybe some people get there's a seduction there. But to sit and be calm and be still, and our and our society is not about that right now. And I think like what an amazing thing, where because I was kind of exhausted by the time I sat down, and there still was another half you know yeah, of the show, true. and and Yoko Ono cutting piece like wow, yeah. I just I was really impressed and also thankful for like. This is amazing. This is well, that's like what it should be about, moment. right? That moment where you can like sit down and experience it, you know? And that's rare. 
I mean, you're walking through a museum, you got a bench out there, and yes, you can sit and look at the water lilies or whatever. But your piece required it. Yeah, well, to engage with you, like, to engage fully, you have to sit down. You have to engage. Well, there's a, there's a surrender. I, I bet you a lot of people, you know, and that's fine. People are going to walk in and go. Yeah. And I did. I mean, the first time I walked out, I just kind of wanted to take in the, like, I didn't. Mm-hmm. But to sit, and you know what? I was, like, well, we talked a lot about signage. Like, do we say sit down? And I was, like, actively against any kind of signage that says sit down in these chairs. Yes. Because the chairs, I mean, they, for the, you know, to explain it more, the chairs vibrate based on the video of Moss buying a light bulb. Every time the moths fly at the bulb, it picks up that presence, and then your, the chair vibrates based on. But I bet you there are people are probably like it doesn't vibrate enough, or it, oh, they wouldn't wait a long because it, it's not like it's instantly. Well, it's no. two chairs, right? So, so there's anticipation that the moths exist, and yet it has to get close up to the microphone. There's all these different things, yeah. and like that moment of anticipation, like it, like it's it's not a quick read. It's intentionally long. It's Good. intentionally boring. But it's also intentionally sensorial. But you don't. But you don't insist that people sit for the whole thirty minutes. No, you can do. They don't. They don't know because I asked him offline, and it's not on there. Whenever I see video work, I kind of always want to know like how long is the. Am I supposed to stand here? Because I I just kind of panic. Like, what am I supposed to do? And like even the Yoko Ono thing, they didn't talk about how how long that piece was. Some some had it, but in that one, and luckily, you know, like you had your own gallery. Yeah, I was very lucky. To and get it's, that space. it's it's awesome. You mm-hmm. can kind of recalibrate and just sit. And you know, hey, you want to get up? It's not, it's not made for you to sit for the whole thing. You don't have to. It doesn't sitting for the whole thing doesn't give you anything more than it does for sitting for five or ten minutes. I think you know that's very giving in terms of like just sit calm. Then to like take in art yeah. that you have to think yeah. and. I think that's awesome. I think you did an amazing job. A lot of my work is trying to find moments to keep you engaged with yourself in a space. And so through like the mirror work, you're, you're seeing yourself, you're engaged with yourself. Through the sound work, you're, like, you're, you're actively feeling your body in a space. And this is kind of a, 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 a third thing where you're, I, I, it's like, it was like a thing to focus on that is outside of your body that is directly impacting your physicalness, your physicality in mm-hmm. a place. And I think that's a lot of what I'm thinking about is ways to engage or re-engage with being with yourself in a place. And I think that's what, like that moment of like watching Bugs by the Light with my dad on a back porch was about. Like there's nothing else to think about but being there with my dad on the back porch. Right, you know, we didn't talk much because there wasn't, you know, we didn't have to talk about. I was a kid, he was a dad. We sat there quietly, and that was worth everything. And to kind of repackage that in a way where, like, that memory was given the importance that it was, that it has, that it deserves, mm-hmm. was a was a was a really important part of this this piece, but also. What I, I well, a lot of what I've been thinking about recently is like, what is what is that memory worth, and what is it worth to live in that memory, and what is the dangers of living in that memory? Like, it's a beautiful time, it's a beautiful thing, it was very important, but it's also not now. It's not happening right now, and to hide in these nostalgic moments is possibly detrimental. 
And that's, that's the thing I'm really trying to struggle with now is like, where, like, where is the danger of living in nostalgia? And how do I think about that? How do I service that? And that's where I'm worried about. But don't you think like you make that work? And regardless of what you're thinking, you're giving an, like, a, like a wide open slate. Absolutely. And that's why it's that's that's great. That's why it doesn't say like on the label, like, this is dangerous, period. And that's, that's, but that's the thing I'm thinking about a lot is like, at what point am I explicit about my worries and my fears and the point of this? Because I know that this is a, this is a very open slate. But I have specific things I'm thinking about, specific things I'm thinking and questioning. But I think whether, you know, it's Bruce Nauman or whomever, like, artist's intent, and I still think, like, I, who, who cares? Like, people are still going to walk in and see what, oh, yeah. see or hear what they want to hear, and maybe Absolutely. that's a good thing. It's not, I'm no longer in control. The minute it's out there, it's, it is what it is, and whatever people take from it is what they need from it, I hope. So, you know, you're how many years into an art career, which always seems, you know, Probably hmm. weird to put. It seems like parentheses need to be around career in the arts. I don't know. I don't know when it started, but you know, so, yeah, that's good. You, know, you continue to make work, show work, uh, and you teach. Yep. How vital is that? I'm just curious. You know, I mean, teaching is great because I like doing it. It's a good, great job, but it's it it, it allows me to do everything else. It's, it's a, uh, yeah, it's, but you're a natural, like, I would say, like, having a studio, you know, upstairs from you, uh, which sounds like there's a hierarchy there. Just there's no, we've always, Joe, we've there's always known your power dynamic. Painting, painting unfortunately, I don't know why painting departments are always, I think it's the fumes. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I, I yeah. The fumes and the good light. But, um, but I was going to say, in terms of like a natural teacher, like, you know, like if you need to like figure out how to like, I need to put some wheels on, Dan is your guy. Well, I like helping people solve problems. And I think, but that's a great, quality. the way that I, that's a very giving because the way that I teach is less like, you I mean, I'm not going to like sit in front of a group of people and pontificate for hours and hours and hours. That's not what I'm good at. But what I'm, what I enjoy is helping people solve problems. So if it's like, you know, Masu trying to figure out how, how to get a motor to make one of his sculptures move or one of my students trying to figure out like how to best represent something. It's like sitting down and, fig- like, and figuring out how to actualize a problem or solve a problem yeah. dimensionally or you know, physically or conceptually. Like that's the, that's the fun part of my job. And that's what teaching allows me to do for the most part, you know, once we get past like the basics, it's like, this is how wood works. This is how whatever works. Now let's talk about how to problem solve your way out of this thing you're working on. That's like the fun part of a teaching job. And it keeps like my brain working. Right. And it also makes me solve problems. I didn't never expected to solve. Yeah. Which is like the great problem. It's like, I, I've never thought about solving a problem from this perspective. Yeah, I've always heard from like the veterans, I think, and I've, you know, had some, some glimpses of that in my um, short-lived uh, teaching career. But, uh, you know, like, we're this, like this, this amazing laboratory, you know, and you see what's going on. And it, it's true. Like, you learn, I learned so much more from observing with whatever input you give and you see where they take that. We, absolutely. You know, and, and it's also, as I'm talking to them, I'm saying things that 
Yeah, I mean, you, I, need to, you need to hear. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. I, I, I love that. I, yeah. I, I, yeah. That's, that's, that's relevant to me also. Maybe more to, more to me than it is to you. And then, like, oh, that's a good idea. You're never going to use that. I just said it out loud. So I'm going to file this away in my back pocket and then pull it out later in my studio. Um, it's just it's just a constant, like, keeping your brain constant. You you are the the quintessential like studio mate that you want in terms of like, you know, there's feedback when you want it, there's silence when you need it, there's a beer if you want it or whatever. Or it's a great yeah, yeah. No, but, uh, no, I mean that, yeah. and, you know, that's but great. but there's a wealth, and that's uh, and I think you know for all that's the one thing you want to you can't beat that into students like they have to figure that out for themselves. But like you've got to find people. That are good, yeah, and be near them, and just and then do your thing, and hopefully, I always think, I hope I can give you know, mm-hmm. in equal measure, that'd be amazing, but something back. So along those lines, yeah. you've talked about um, problem solving, mm-hmm. but some time ago, you said something. One of our road trips to uh, Athens, and we were just talking, and it stuck with me. Which might scare you, but he recorded. You said, "No one." In your mind, how would you differentiate between a maker and an artist? Oh man, that's the thing I think about a lot, and that's like a uh, that's the thing I talk about at school a lot. Is is the difference between the two? Yeah, it it comes up at school. It comes up at school all the time. People yeah. calling the art department. You know, they want to, they want to call it a maker space, not a studio, and. And I, I really firmly believe that a studio is different than a makerspace. A makerspace is a great place for people to engage in, 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 in investigating things are not investigating how to man, how to make a thing. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. makerspace. But a studio and an art studio, especially in an academic environment, is all about making and thinking and contextualizing. So we're like actively engaging in an idea. And then trying to figure out where that belongs, mm-hmm. which is, is is maybe unique to an academic environment. Maybe it's it's part of being an active studio practice. But mm-hmm. I think that's what differentiates a makerspace from from a studio environment or an academic studio environment. Whereas a makerspace is like, look at this cool thing I made. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate how much these this the, the maker movement and makerspaces are encouraging people to investigate what they want to do yeah. and to make things. I think there's value That's in important. making yes. things, yeah. but the difference is the contextualization. Like if you are thinking about where and how maybe your work exists within your, even your own scope, I think, I think a makerspace implies you're just making things in a studio or especially an academic studio is like, yeah, I'm making things, but I'm also going to think about how this fits in with the bigger picture. And I think they're both valuable, but you're getting into the idea of craft versus art, which is a long, long conversation. And this is like a conversation I have with my students a lot is like, what is art? What is an artist? And we talk about that at the beginning of class and we talk about the end of class. And I let them talk as much as they want. And, and my working definition is always working and always changing and is full of flaws my op, my current operating idea is that an artist is is making a thing that they want to call art. And if they want to call it art, great. 
then, then, then we'll have to like think about it and accept it as such. And if, if a maker calls themselves a maker, then we'll, we'll deal with him as a maker. If a maker makes the thing they call it art, we'll deal with it as, as an art. You know, good or yeah. bad, relevant, unrelevant is not a conversation. It's not part of this conversation is what the title is. So when you're branding yourself as a maker in a maker space, mm-hmm. that's, a, I think, a different conversation than is in a branding yourself an artist in an artist space or an artist studio. And in especially in an academic environment where so many people have their research and so many people have an idea of what research is, they want to prescribe the idea that what we do in my building is we are makers and not thinkers and contextualizers. Oh, yeah. So I like my, my, my current cause at my institution is to say that we're not makers. We are, we are researchers. So yes, yeah. the idea of like of craft is a decision and how you, your craftsmanship within an art is important. And, you know, like the craftsmanship of the art at the Zuckerman was specific. The chairs were crafted and well, but not perfect intentionally. Uh, okay. I thought they were great. And he was Pretty damn perfect. The and it felt <laughs> I mean, great on the back. It. I have to say, like, after standing well, well, no, like, Lumbar's good. But Lumbar but is if, great. If you, if you look at them, like, the legs are wonky. They are not smooth. Like and you I, sound like, well, yeah, those they were terrible. Like, don't worry. No, no, no. You, the, 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 you're but misconstruing. Was it was a conscious choice to make them not. I, I hodgepodge those chairs together. Oh, you didn't tell me that. I thought it, you were just complaining. No, 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 no. no, 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 no I'm not, not complaining at all. I'm saying like the legs are wonky. There's they're not smooth. They're painted, which makes them look cohesive, but they're not cohesive. There seems relevant, but you can't see them in there. Yeah, you're right. That's a, that's that's the thing I'm thinking. Uh, that, that that's the thing I'm like. You're way too close to it, and I'm oh, absolutely. One, but and I yeah, saw them in true. the when I got in there. I'm like, dude, that no one and that, is seeing that, and that's me. You know, I'm too. I'm I too love close that. About I watched you. this guy. I love that. I didn't even you. sit down for the longest. Time. I'm outing you. No, and this is good. That's a good. I thing. did because I walked in. and I was like, just kind of taking in the space. You're like, how and long is usually this I don't. I don't commit, but I mean, I've experienced your work. I don't know how many times? And it goes you know, on, and it's and it goes on know. and on. No, I, um, but I, I, I walk in. I'm like, I'm just kind of like taking it in. But there was that. I mean, it was enough almost to just like I don't. I don't. I, I could experience it just walking in, and I've got the flooring, and I've got the chairs, I've got the video. That alone was enough. But if I were to sit down. Then I've got a whole nother level of uh, that's the hope. But part of, in, in in your in, installation, yeah, sure. In your installation, you've got two seats. Mm-hmm. So not everybody is going to you know, on an opening night, for example. Not everybody's going to go in there and be able to have a seat. And then you know, well, and I, and I, yeah. And I, it's, I always and like this is like a thing I've been thinking about a lot is like most of my work mm-hmm. is not designed for an opening. They're not social experiences. They're designed for one to two to three people tops, maybe. Yeah. And like this was experience where it's like, oh, this is a museum. Mm-hmm. I can I have the opportunity to like really yeah, own, yeah. dial this in like yeah. no, two people. Yeah. And at the opening there was a there was a weird little line of people behind like the chairs waiting to sit down. And I was like, I, I immediately felt guilt for that. And then 
dial that back. I was like, oh no, this is fine. Like, yeah. This is because any went, any more chairs would have ruined oh. the like, I, the way the way that 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 uh, that constructed memory is in my brain. Like in my in my the memory of that whole thing that I was trying to construct very intentionally was of two chairs. Yep. Silent together. Dana, thanks for uh, thanks for an awesome conversation uh, throughout the day today and tonight. Well, thanks for coming uh, to talk to me and like look at that art thing. Where can people learn more about you, Dana? Oh, on the web. Oh my god, I I have, I have a very Googleable name, so you can Google Dana Helgard. But I have an Instagram and a website. Hey, say that again. Googleable. Dana, no, the, the last name, not Google. We got that. But the, the uh, Googleable. Dana Haugard. Yeah. H a u g a a r d. All right. My my Nordic heritage. Yeah. Is 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 my website and my Instagram. Is it? It is Dana dot Haugard. All right. Both ways. Instagram and 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 internets. Well, we've had a blast, and I tell you, I can't wait till the next time I hang out. Whether there's a recording being done or not. Connect with Joe and Matthew. Take a look at show notes and discover other episodes at brainfuzzpodcast.com. Engage and join the dialogue on social media with hashtag brainfuzzpodcast and on their organically growing Instagram, brainfuzzpodcast. Don't miss the next episode. Subscribe to Brain Fuzz Podcast on your favorite podcast platform, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher.